from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 topics of the week that make us go wow. Uh, I'm co-founder of World of Wonder, Fenton Bailey, joined by club kid turned best-selling author, James St. James. I know, I'm sorry, James, it's just what Blake wrote. It's fine. No, no, no. I enjoy it. I love it. I love it. Keep, keep it coming. And our producer, Blake Jacobs, who is filling in for WOW's Chief Creative Officer, Tom Campbell, who's currently out on mystery assignment. Um, tons of award shows to talk about this week. Let's waste no time. Number 10, Blake. Number 10. Guess what? I went to the Emmys. First time? It was my first time ever. My bestie. Were you, what, were you, were you nominated for your podcast with Love, Connie? Is that where you were there? Yeah. No, unfortunately not. My best friend, Steven, recently started working for Emmy Magazine. So he gets to go to all of the the Emmys. And he asked me, you know, we have other friends that want to go as well. So he was like, I'll let you pick. Do you want to go to the creative or the big Emmys? Like the main ones, the televised, the live. And I picked the live. And now I kind of wish I would have just gone. To, you know, I'm so starstruck and everything. And I love. I love that I got the chance to go, but I'm more of a reality kind of girl. Now, but wait a minute. This is what I don't understand about the Emmys and the Creative Arts Emmys, because the Creative Arts Emmys was the week before. It was the same night as the Golden Globes, which was just bizarre to me that there was that weird overlap because people were probably nominated for both and they had to choose which one to go to. Here's the thing, James. The Creative Arts takes place over two nights and one of which did overlap with the Golden Globes. But that was only because they had to delay because of... um, The strike. The strike. Yeah, usually it's in September, but since the strike was happening, that's why the Emmys are happening in January and all this crap is happening at the same time. Because And I think that would be the only time it would happen that way, right? Yeah, I think think like there's going to be another Emmys in September. Which well, there is also, yes. And then there's also the International News and Dark Emmys. I mean, there's a lot of Emmy Awards uh, handed and out. And the daytime of course. Right, right. Don't want to bury the lead here, but uh, RuPaul's Drag Race won. RuPaul won his eighth consecutive Emmy as host. and uh, Making him the most uh, Emmy Award-winning uh, person of color. Is, is, mm-hmm. is that correct? More In so- history. And congratulations, Ruth. And also, best editing for the Rusical this year, Wigloose. Sure, yeah. And then at the Creative Arts, the uh, best reality show, best reality competition. It's a juggernaut. It will not stop. It just keeps going and going and going. 40 years from now, it will still be going. I know. I'm so excited that I got to see our team win it was really special. well tell us about that moment like I, I i myself was not there um tell me like take me there blake well it was really awesome um i of course i wasn't really the team was sitting of course like furthest away from me of, as possible but um it was just amazing whenever we won rue got up and gave a great acceptance speech what did he say fenton if a drag queen 
uh, goes to the library and tells you a story, listen to them. That's not an exact quote, but a sort of paraphrase, you know? Did you just very casually take a sip out of a Stanley Cup? Is that what that was right there? It's actually, for those of you watching on our YouTube channel, this is actually a Starbucks uh, cup that I got in Vegas, hence the gold blingy excess. But it is not a Stanley Cup. More on that maybe later. Giving us a flex right there. Mm. Well, it was awesome being so close to all the stars. I think the biggest one, that, or I was most starstruck by, weirdly, was Katherine Heigl. Um, really? Yeah, she walked right by the uh, World of Wonder table at the after party. And just because she, like, used to be, like, A-list, I guess. <laughs> I don't well, know why. I hope she's not listening. Oh, my God. <laughs> Seeing Carol Burnett on stage, that was amazing. Being that close to... Carol Burnett, seeing the reunion for Martin, which never won an Emmy or was ever even nominated, they that was kind of a running joke, too. There was another, you know, they had all the casts reuniting from all oh, the Oh, I love the Allie McBeal in the bathroom. That was cute when they did the little dance. Right, and then they had Cheers. They actually had, um, apparently, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is the longest-running sitcom of all time. Of all time, yes. And they've never been nominated for anything, have they? Their cast got together, and it was, like, more of that joke. Like, so you guys all get together every year and celebrate, and we've never heard of this? It was really fun, and I was really excited to get to go. Now tell me about your wardrobe malfunction, though. uh, Standing in line... To go into the Emmys, my pants broke. <gasps> so I'm like pulling my pants up the entire time, go to the bathroom, trying to figure something out. But uh, all in all, it was fine. I what figured was it the out. Solution? I just had to tie a knot. It was that I was wearing a tux and it's those, you know, like tightening straps on the side. One of them like blue. And I had to figure <laughs> out how to like tie it up. I should have worn suspenders. My body is not made to be wearing a tux. <laughs> I was glad yeah, that I got to go. Four months down of Zempic and you'll be fine. <laughs> Let's hope. Here's hoping. Don't you find tuxes and black tie just the most uncomfortable thing to yeah. wear? It's like being boxed in lead. <laughs> I know. And we, I was talking with Steven about how the girls have it easy. And he was like, I think they would say it the other way around. But then I was talking to a woman and she was like, no. We do have it easy. You guys are like burning up. I mean, I guess unless you're in like sub-degree Chicago weather, but we're not. We're in L.A. Mm. So Well, congratulations, Rue, and congratulations, everyone who works on Drag Race. And it's just a, a wild, uh, amazing thing. I, thank you. Thank you to the Academy. Um, right? And the voters right. for the awards. Number nine, James. Number nine. I want to talk about the biggest news on the planet, possibly the biggest news in the universe. I don't know if you guys have been following the story. Aliens landed at a mall in Miami two weeks ago. And you've been following it, right, Fenton? You're obsessed? I saw a little bit. And then I was thinking James is going to tell me all about it and really... Give me the skinny because I, I didn't know what to think. 
okay, I had well, the here's what happened. Here's what happened. I started hearing about it on X. I, it, people were sort of whispering that aliens had landed, blah, 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 blah. And you sort of, I wasn't really paying that much attention to it. But then I saw the video of uh, over a hundred police cars fire engines, EMTs, black op government helicopters descended on this mall in Miami. I mean, oh, literally hundreds of them, which is just bizarre. And they said the, the, the reason they gave was that there were some unruly teenagers in the mall that they needed to take care of. And these unruly teenagers were uh, setting off fireworks in the mall. Like gangs, like is a street wilding sort of thing, right? So it's a little of wilding, yes. But hmm. then you, there was another video that came out uh, from the helicopter in which you saw a blurry 10-foot figure walking along the sidewalk, disappearing and reappearing later on the sidewalk, uh, later far, further down on the sidewalk. Now, um, uh, TikTokers who were there said that um, uh, the aliens were both um, uh, see-through and not see-through at the same time, which is sort of hard to explain that they were both, they had form, but they were also like gelatinous, yes? Like like the TLC Waterfalls music video. Like, or like Predator or something like yeah. that. Where and th- then they also said that they um they vanished and reappeared in different places and they seemed dazed and lost but not aggressive or threatening just like that they had accidentally crashed and they were not sure where they were they were trying to get back home a la et um so is the mall open again the mall is open again another one of the weird things that happened was that within a 20 block radius of the mall all the internet went out during this period there was no internet for 20 blocks and everyone at the mall their phones were confiscated by the police as they were exiting the 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 Premises. building huh it's so weird because it was it bubbled up for my my perception is it bubbled up for a moment it was very much like, no, it was really just street fighting. And then there was a single video, helicopter video. And I was going to say to you, why aren't there more videos of them? But you're because, saying. Yeah, because nobody was allowed to. All the videos, all the video was, was deleted and confiscated by the by the police. So what do you think happened? Well, like, obviously, you- obviously they crash landed and they didn't mean to be here. And they were they sort of came, wobbled out of their spaceship and were like, well, how do we get back? How do we get home? And so and where uh, are they now? Um, uh, Boca Raton, South Beach, I, I, Art Basel. I don't know. <laughs> but Star I- Island. Yes, Star Island with with <laughs> Sylvester Stallone and uh, Paula Abdul. And what has the sort of follow up been in terms of the story? Well, it, it was, but, but there's been a blackout. There's been a total media blackout about it. Nobody has been, nobody has followed up on it because I have a feeling every is being squashed. I think the government is squashing what happened. And that's my number nine. <laughs> no, I'm just like contemplating or uh, uh, contemplating it. Well, will you will you update us 
uh, about it if this story develops In fact, further. every single week from now until the end of time, I will do a follow-up on this show. That would be that would be awesome. Thank you so much. Number eight. Number eight. Moon is the oldest TV. That is a saying by the famous um, video artist Nam June Pike. And James, did you ever meet Nam June Pike? He was in New York in the. He's very much on the scene, right? In the sixties, seventies, and eighties, right? He was um, uh, at area. He did. He was in a window, I believe, one time at area. He was around uh, for the. He was around. He he was. Hmm. I don't think that I ever met him, but I've been in rooms with him. I've never heard of him. No, right? I I knew about him in New York. And he was famous, Blake, uh, as a, 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 a video artist. But actually, really, he was the father of video art. No one well, had really it, done it. It was performance art using video. And mm. he was one of the first to do it back in the 70s. When like, is before. there an example everyone would okay, know? Well, I'm he, thinking like video music, like art. But No, he was before music videos. He was... He did a, a piece that was like a crucifix built out of TVs. Uh, oh. One of his most famous pieces was called TV Buddha. Um, and it was a, a camera on a, on a Buddha statue. And the Buddha statue was looking at his image on a TV screen. It was sort of like a sculptural installation, right? You had a Buddha statue, camera projecting the image of Buddha watching himself on TV. That was his sort of big breakthrough piece. And... Um, and, you know, he is, he is, he has such gravitas within the art community. He is like considered, I mean, he is a god in for avant-garde, you know, performance art up there with Lori Anderson and, you know, Marina yes. Abramovic. Yes, okay. absolutely. And, and the reason I'm even telling you this is Moon is the Oldest TV is something he said, but it's also the title of this fascinating documentary about his life and his work by director Amanda Kim. And I really, I swear to you, I sort of watched it, sort of, I'll watch this. Um, It was at the Sundance Film Festival in 2023. And I was like, okay, I'll watch it. Because I remember him being in New York and being this sort of artist and just thinking, oh, video art, that's a bit naff. You know, just being that Judge Judy kind of person I am. And I watched this documentary. It's fantastic. It is so amazing. You know, run, don't walk to to watch it. He, and I have no idea, is credited with coming up with the uh, the phrase the electronic superhighway. You know, the the remember everyone was talking about the information superhighway. He is supposed to be the person who came up with that. And um, one of the biggest revelations to me was in the film, which is is just well. Let me tell you his backstory. He was uh, born in Korea son of a rich family in the 50s he went to germany to the music conservatory in germany this was like 15 years after second world war so the place was probably devastated because he was going to be a concert pianist he was a real but then he saw a john cage performance in something like 1957 it changed his life and he completely got radicalized into the avant-garde and started pushing pianos over and decided um, one of his famous pieces was dragging a violin along the street, you know, 
just the noise it made as it was being dragged along on a piece of string on the street. And he decided, came to New York and decided he'd be, the, the, the video would be his sort of paintbrush, would be his medium. And so that's his sort of backstory. And in a way, it was incredibly brave because he was an artist in a, in a, in a kind of art that had no market whatsoever. Like no one wanted to buy video art. It just didn't, or, right. you know, sculpture made out of TVs. But two things from the documentary really popped. One was he, you know, was almost in a way, uh, not a refugee, but he left Korea very rel- as a student and learned to speak all these different languages. And, and, and sort of someone says in the doc that he spoke them all terribly badly. And there's this quote from him at the beginning where he talks that, that, that his work is really about communication and the challenge of communicating and how we communicate to each other and how imperfect and difficult it is. And that in TV, he found a potential, a language that transcended language. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, you know what, that's right. We're all here in the screenage, you know. Well, I, and also I've never, like you said, no one would want to buy that. But it, I have seen like, when I saw Marilyn Manson on tour, he was on influenced by him, obviously, because he was on a big crucifix made of televisions. Yes. So it, it may not, it's influenced people, even though like people didn't buy the art. Oh my well, goodness. It, like all the first video music videos, like yeah, took all his work, lock, stock and barrel. And, you know, because that's what, yeah. But it's one of those things where, you know, like like photography was not considered an art until, you know, Sam Wagstaff in the 1960s and 70s said that it was art. And it, it, he created, uh, you know, he the prices started skyrocketing. And it's the same thing where yeah. video was not considered art until this happened until now, now June in the 1970s. I wonder if it, it, What? I wonder if our new receptionist, Finn Wagstaff, is related to him. Oh, maybe. Well, that's an interesting question. But, yeah. but I will just tell you one more anecdote. Like, um, at the sort of peak of his career, he did this live uh, satellite installation event on BBS called Good Morning, Mr. Orwell. And that was on New Year's Day in 1984. And it had Peter Gabriel, Laurie Anderson, George Plimpton, you know, Alan Ginsberg, most, you know, all the usuals. And um, it was on PBS and it was a complete shit show. It just, everything went wrong because, you know, it was like fun with satellites is a great idea. But that, back then it was like very sort of groundbreaking. But he was like, no, that's the whole point. That, you know, even though it's technology, it's not, it's imperfection reveals its humanity. And, and um, Warholian too, isn't it? Like, right? or, yeah, or yeah. And the last thing I, I promise you, I'll stop talking about it. But the last thing was so he was credited coming up with the information superhighway. This, this belief that you know, with electronic technology, we're all going to be so well informed, so clear about things like, like going down a highway, you know, where you're going, you know. And of course, that's not what has happened. And he had this revelation. It's only a passing moment in the film where he called up some friend in the middle of the night and said, I'm wrong. It's not an, it's not an electronic superhighway. He's like, we're in a boat in the middle of the ocean and we're trying to find the shore. Because if you think about the way we've been 
electronically bombarded a bazillion screens. Everybody's their own channel. We are kind of lost in it, which isn't necessarily a good or a bad thing, but it's, I thought we it was are interesting. Bored. We are, yes. We're an island. We're not uh, an island, Blake. We're in a little boat and we're lost. <laughs> it's like we're like those aliens James saw at the Miami Mall. Right, trying to get like, home. Yes. So where can we find this? Where can we watch it? You can watch this. Uh, you can rent it on Amazon, um, which is what I did. And then I loved it so much. I thought, you know what? I'm going to buy it so I can always look at it. It's rare that you watch something, a documentary twice, but I definitely want to watch it again because it's just so profound. And he died, by the way, a year before the first iPhone came out. And you can't help but wonder like, what he would have made of everything now. He'd have probably said, I told you so, you know. I feel like he hasn't really gotten his due. I feel like he's, he's he, he, yeah. Exactly. I think it's, a, I think it's a great film for that. It really, you know, it's a really enthralling documentary. Um, maybe it'll win, get nominated for something or something. Let's take a quick break. Hey, Blake, do you have a question for us? I do. Who has admitted to attending Aretha Franklin's funeral? Oh. On ketamine. Oh, me. <laughs> We'll have the answer right after the break here on The Wow Report. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to The Wow Report. It's Fenton here with Blake and James. Who will be the first queen to go home on RuPaul's Drag Race Season 16? Episode 3 as tonight on Wow Presents Plus Worldwide. And of course, MTV in the US. Um... Blake, you have an answer to our question. I asked, who admitted this week to attending Aretha Franklin's funeral while high on ketamine? I know the answer to this, and I have a follow-up where it's it was Pete Davison who went there with Ariana Grande, who he was dating at the time. She performed at the at the thing, and he had been ketted out of his mind for about a year up until that point. Well, he just had a, um, a Netflix special, a stand-up comedy thing that is unwatchable. And I'm going to talk about it a little bit next week because it is so searingly uncomfortable to watch. He is, um, he talks about he trauma dumps on us the entire the entire time i will just well i'll i'll, I'll talk about it next trauma week. Dumps. sounds hilarious <laughs> no, no 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 trauma dumping is like when you just like you just unload on someone every bad thing that's ever happened to you and it's like please stop enough well enough. that's something to look forward to mm-hmm. yes all right well um let's carry on with our countdown we've reached number seven Number seven. Lil Nas X. No. Um, have you guys seen the Jay Christ video? Yes. I have not. Oh, well, you have to immediately after this watch it. Stars uh it has a cameo by uh Wild Liberty, T. S. Madison, mm-hmm. who I saw at the Emmys and I congratulated her on it. I thought she looked it. fantastic at the Emmys. Mm-hmm. Just fantastic. Yes, yes, yes. Um so there's been some outrage, I guess, as as one would expect, over him and his Christianity. You know, he kind of 
Well, for Christ's sakes, you know, 40 years ago, Madonna was dancing in front of a burning cross with black and making out with black Jesus. I and can't he, we haven't moved forward yet where these things are still a problem. It's crazy. Well, I was kind of wondering what, what you guys' take on that was because he released a, an apology. Why, video. Did, that, why did he but apologize? That right there is what, what upset me the most because if you do, if you're going to go out on a limb and you're going to push buttons and you're going to be provocative and you're going to, to challenge these norms and uh, religious norms and all this, blah, 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 stand by it. And I wonder what his, if, a manager, a publicist, someone said, you've got to apologize. It's so weird because Little is not an apologizer. It's like the the lady's not not returning. You know, it's like, and I wondered if the apology was actually part of the performance. Right. In the same way that the admission letter to Liberty University, he he published this great that he'd been admitted to, to study religious studies at Liberty University for Wells But for some reason, I have a feeling that someone said, look, you've gone too far and you need to apologize because you're going to about to be canceled. And so this was no further than he's been before. Right. Like I said, and everyone has gone, you know, Marilyn Manson, everybody has done some sort of. Well, and he says that in the video. He says, I don't want to really apologize, but I just want to explain myself. And he says, I wasn't really mocking Christianity or whatever, but he also says, uh, yeah, whatever. Well, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but this now he should have done a Trumpian thing and doubled down, tripled down, and not apologized and kept going. I can't believe I just I'm, I'm saying act like Trump, but in this case he should, where you don't apologize and you don't, you just it is what it is and just right. Well, okay, another hot topic I've got. Have you ever have you guys ever heard of Sushi Park? No. It's this sushi restaurant in West Hollywood. It's one of those, like, it's on Sunset. It's uh, right by the Oppenheimer group. It's in one of those strip malls. But it is, like, the celebrity hotspot now. Taylor Swift and uh, Selena Gomez went there not long ago. And then recently, Dua Lipa and her new man went there. Celebrities go to restaurants all the time. Well, yeah, but this is like a hole in the wall, like strip mall, sushi strip mall. Like everyone's going to Sushi Park in the strip mall. It's like buying an H and R Block <laughs> or something. Anyway, that's all I've got for this week. <laughs> okay, I, love... I guess everyone's going to be going to Sushi Park now. All right, so number six, James. Number six. General Hospital. I, I know you hate when I do my my, my soap opera stories, uh, but I have to talk about this weird MAGA agenda that is happening on General Hospital. It is very disturbing. I'm going to try and break down the storyline for you. Nina and Carly are mortal enemies. Okay, now uh, Carly, who owns a hotel, and her boyfriend Drew who owns a media company engaged in insider trading. Okay. And Nina found out about it, found out her enemy had done this and secretly called the sec and anonymously uh, 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 was a whistleblower and told the sec about this white collar crime that occurred. Right now from the headlines. Yes, exactly. So 
uh, Carly lost her hotel. Nia, uh, Drew went to prison for 10 minutes because it's a soap opera. And, he, you know, you last <laughs> 10 minutes in prison and then you come out. But the weird thing is, is in the lead up to this, everyone keeps saying, when I find out who the whistleblower is, we're going to get them. We're going to get them. It's it's the it, and then. Nina is afraid that her husband is going to leave her. Her daughter won't talk to her. Everyone will. She becomes the town pariah for because she was the whistleblower. Yeah, for reporting the crime. And the idea is is that the crime itself, even though they're guilty of a crime, nobody cares about that. Everyone is angry with the person who reported the crime. And if you extrapolate that to what's happening in modern times with the Republicans and Trump, you have this idea that nobody cares about Trump's crimes. The crimes are not the problem. It's that we are going to impeach Biden as revenge for him to impeaching Trump. It's not the crime that matters. It's the whistleblowers. It's the people who are reporting the crime that the MAGA people get upset about. Do you understand where I'm going with that? Yeah. It's very strange that, you know, this is a show, though, that Luke Luke raped Laura in the 1970s, and then he became the biggest uh, hero on the show. I mean, the show has always had a weird moral compass. They got married, yeah. Yeah, you know. Isn't the story, though, isn't it the enemy of the people sort of archetype? You know, in Ibsen play, that the popular doctor in town realizes that the river is polluting everyone, and he blows the whistle. And even though it is, everyone's really mad at him. Yes, that's exactly that's exactly it. Where nobody has ever once on the show condemned Carly and Drew for insider trading. Nina is the villain for reporting the story, and Nina is the one who is getting all the blowback and all the all the hate from people. It's just a very bizarre thing, and it makes me think that there's some weird sort of MAGA agenda. Dude, but we better. know that there is at, at anyway there because there's all sorts of anti-vaxxers on the show and Trump supporters. It's very strange. General Hospital is the one with the person possessed by Satan. That's all I remember. No, no, that right? was Days of Our Lives. That, yeah, no. that, that, yeah. The classy one. And how do you think it will end this? Well, unfortunately, Nina has lost everything. When it came out, Nina lost her husband. Her daughter won't speak to her anymore. Carly and, and Drew are plotting revenge against her. The whole town is not speaking to her. Everyone is just, it's, it's, it's just bizarre. It's just very bizarre. So anyway, that's fine. All right. Well, number five. Number five. I, last week, I, I missed last week. I was away last week because I was at DragCon UK. Oh. And I have to say, and it sounds like self-promotional and maybe it is, but it was an amazingly lovely, warm weekend. It, 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 it's always been fun, DragCon, but, but this one especially was fun. And one of the things that we did that was so, well, first of all, we had 180 queens from across different versions of drag race. And maybe it was like that they were meeting each, a lot of them were meeting each other in person for the first time. It was really this sort of convivial feeling. And then, you know, we normally begin drag con with the, the Queen's walk down the pink carpet. And it was a fantastic parade. And this year, what we did that we'd never done before is we live streamed it on Wow Presents Plus. And we had a setup kind of like, you know, the Oscars, 
with Michelle Visage pulling <laughs> queens and interviewing them. And it was so fantastic. A, Michelle just has an incredible talent as yeah, it's well, and it's crazy. She has an incredible talent of being almost two places at one time because she flew directly from there to the Emmys. That she did. You're absolutely yeah, absolutely right. And like, the fact yeah. that Michelle has this um, what is it, eidetic memory where she knows she knows every single queen on every single show. How does anybody know the three thousand queens at this point? She knows them all. She has sto- questions for them. She has their. She knows their backstories. She is absolutely. She is so good. You give her a microphone. I've done shows with her before where you, you know uh, you give her a microphone and she is just off and running. She's she is a lesson in broadcasting. You know, I, she's been on this show. Right, and I'm sort of flailing around, can't think of anything to say. Michelle's just in there, but how? And she went on Good Morning Britain to promote, and uh, the first the the hosts were so sort of starstruck, uh, which is an early morning show like GMA, Good Morning Britain. Hosts were so starstruck. The first question was like, "Well, um, uh, uh, you're known as the Queen of Mean," and Michelle was like, "Am I?" And then they were sort of flailing, and they said, "Well, let's talk about this." Queen of Mean with a streak of grey. Let's talk about the grey streak in your hair. Is it real? And and Michelle was so good in that you could have easily been thrown by a slight lack of welcome and failing plan. In what planet and what universe is Michelle the Queen of Mean? Exactly. And she went on to be so nice, so brilliant at not sticking it to them but lifting them up and basically taking control of the car wreck of an interview it was it was really great um also well, are I, they trying to like com- make the comparison to simon cow i guess like I Rue, guess not the maybe. main one so I know, michelle yeah. has to be but she was the sweetest and so funny and, and just so so genius we also actually speaking of two people in one place that two places at once had uh t.s madison was hosting the live tapings of bring back my girls um wow. which was also fantastic and we also did the cast reveal of uk drag race versus the world season two which was also great i mean it was it was just oh bury the headline the teletubbies were there um uh. they did padam padam with juju b which was uh. Oh my God. And they also did uh, what we did this year is that they they were on stage for the kids fashion show as well. And they had little signs like, oh, and again, again, it was it was just it was just like it was just a lovely thing. So I just wanted to thank all the queens who came, all the people who came down to see them. Michelle, T.S. Madison. It, It really was. It really was very touching and lovely you people can get their tickets to DragCon la this july right that's absolutely right DragCon la is coming in july yeah you get your tickets um rupaul's dragcon.com thank you blake yes let's take another break have you got a question i do i do two iconic movies that changed the zeitgeist of horror movies were both released on October 11th, 1974. What are they? Hmm. 
And we have a special, special, special guest joining us for number one. So don't go anywhere here on the Wow Report at Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to the Wow Report on Radio Andy. Um, Blake, you had a question. I did. It's about horror movies. Two iconic movies that changed the zeitgeist of horror movies were both released on October 11th, 1974. What are they? Gosh, maybe like I Spit on Your Grave or A Little Girl Down the Lane, maybe. Um, no, no. One of them has to be Exorcist, right? No, uh, that's 73, I think. Well, it's not Black Christmas. It's not Rosemary. It is. It it's is Black, Black Christmas. Christmas. Okay, there you go. And also maybe Twins? No, um... Uh, Texas Chainsaw. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, of course. Yes, I didn't realize that was seventy four. I thought it was a little later, but oh god, both of them are the most terrifying movies of all time. Well, you're kind of right because I think um, Texas Chainsaw was released on October eleventh, nineteen seventy four, but it was like released at like a small film festival, so it didn't really gain popularity until later. Right. Mm. I remember. I oh my god! I, both I have such visceral memories uh, as a child of seeing both of them, and it just—they are some of the scariest movies ever made. I watched Black Christmas for the first time this holiday season. Loved it. Is it scary? I've never seen oh, it. It is. I watched it on James's recommendation because he says it was so scary, and he—it was. It is. He the um, it's some girls. It's the sorority girls in a sorority house. Over Christmas vacation, they they don't have anywhere to go. So there's a few of them left staying there. And there's a man in the attic who keeps calling them. And it's just the scariest thing ever! Yeah. All right. We're counting down the top things of the week that made us go, wow, we've reached number four. Number four. There's been a glut of uh, um, uh, of award shows recently. I really enjoyed um, uh, the Critics' Choice Awards. The Golden Globes had that awful, awful Joe Coy, who was the the poor guy. He just bombed. He was the host. Oh yes, I'd never heard of him before, and. The thing he is, say, he was on Chelsea lately all the time. And in fact, he after dated that, Chelsea. he dated Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. He and Chelsea. And, and later, when Chelsea did the Critics' Choice Awards, she gave a couple digs to her ex, which was sort of interesting. But, you know, as Whoopi Goldberg and Steve Martin came out in defense of him, saying that it is one of the hardest jobs in Hollywood to read the room and to you're going in on these people who are, you know... They're easy targets, sort of, but by the same token, they're very thin-skinned. And when you saw what he did with um, Taylor Swift, she was furious with his joke about her. She was like, she walked out, she left an hour early because she was so angry about it. Well, she handled it pretty well, don't you think? What? She handled it well. Yeah, I mean, terribly. You saw when the camera went to her and she did not crack a smile. Well, yeah, I thought that was handling it pretty well. You know you're going to be roasted. You're Taylor Swift. You can take a joke. I mean, like, why could she not take a joke? I was I love Taylor Swift, but I thought she was very thin skinned about that. Don't make me the defender of Taylor Swift. Well, there <laughs> you go. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the fashions because Barry Keoghan, 
who my love, my love, my love. He has been stepping up his game and he's been dressing like Katie Lang circa 87. He's <laughs> doing these weird lesbian looks that are so bizarre. Uh, custom looks from uh, Louis Vuitton. I want to say that I want a moratorium on men in pearls. I do not think I ever need to see a men in pearls ever again. I think it's over. It's tired. It's tacky. Stop it. But never stop men. Never stop giving me pearl necklaces. <laughs> there, there you go. But the um, the <laughs> there seem to be a lot of uh, emerald cut colored jewels, oversized, and lots of duchess satin. Is that how you pronounce it? The, the that sort of luxe satin. Dresses I mean, in sort of mauve colors. I, there was a lot of really fabulous, like Helen Mirren looked absolutely stunning. J-Lo looked stunning. Meryl Streep looked stunning. Uh, Jodie Foster, Annette Benning, Ryan Gosling. God, he is so handsome. Oh, I just love him to death. Um, uh, uh, Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike killed it. Did you see her outfit with that sort of weird mask thing in the sort of 50 uh, Balenciaga like dress that she wore? Why oh, was she wearing that? Wasn't there a reason? Or was it just fashion? I think it was just fashion. What, um, what would the reason be that she had like uh, she was a beekeeper or something? I, I don't no, know. I thought that she had like a face like surgery or something. I don't know. Oh, well also the best, um, the best, uh, uh, acceptance speech for both shows, uh, goes to, uh, Io Edebiri who from the bear and from bottoms, who is so funny and so good. Remember she, she thanked, um, managers and publicists assistants because they're the ones who answer the emails and they're the ones who answer yeah. the phone when the managers and publicists are too busy for her. You know, I knew that that was her because we've talked about it on Bottoms, but I just remembered that that's the girl from Bottoms. She was hilarious in her acceptance speech at the Emmys as well. She was like, you know, most people are, she made some funny joke about being an, uh, an immigrant and she's like, yeah, but now I want to learn improv. So it was like funny, like her. Yeah. Is, I think she is. She's really going to be one of the great stars of the the 2020s. I think she's really fan. She's a she's a triple threat. She's a writer. She's a director. She's a, a performer. She's just she's just spectacular. So of all the award shows, James, that you've seen so far this season, which is your favorite? Um, I think the Critics' Choice was probably the best done, and I thought Chelsea Handler did a really good job of keeping it upbeat. She she wasn't biting and mean the way that like a Ricky Gervais or Tina Fey or some of you know some of the she, but she was funny and she was uh, she just had the right balance. I thought, and I'm not I'm not a big Chelsea Handler fan, but I thought she did a really spectacular job. Marvelous. All right, let's move on to number three. Number three. I saw a clip the other day on, you know, just out there, of people just lining up at Target Studio, a Target store, like like 3 a.m. and I'm rushing in to grab a Stanley Cup. Oh. Do you know what like I, I was like, what I was like I thought I, you were gonna talk about hockey. <laughs> I yeah I didn't even know what the Stanley Cup was for in terms of a sports award but in the latest iterance it's a uh, 40 ounce stainless steel tumbler 
called a quencha that I've seen these cups before. It's got a narrow base, so you can put it in the cup holder of your car, but then it goes kind of balloons out. Right. And and has a handle and a lid and a, a and it's 40 ounces. And I've always thought, oh my God, that is so ugly. But these cups have become a sensation. But you well, know why? You know you know the viral moment that, that got everybody addicted to it. What? That there Tell. was um it is it is so well made that you can have like uh an icy drink in there and they put it in a car and it put the car, set the car on fire. The car burned down and they got the drink out and the, it opened it up and it was still cold with this ice still in it. And that was the thing that made everybody think that no matter what it, your, your drink is going to stay either hot or cold, no matter what happens. Well, but these have been around for forever. Like they just started marketing them to different people because I read that, they used the working man has used these for a long time. They didn't have the narrow base to fit into the cup holder. Then they were more thermos, but they just started marketing them and changing the colors. And I think that's that, right. I think it, it's been yeah, around for hundred and ten years. They've been around, and uh, as Blake says, they were for working men who needed to stay hydrated. Either they were out hunting in the forests or building a house or and they were always in sort of earth tones sort of boring colors and then i guess james that that ha- there was that viral tiktok video and um a new a ceo came in too as well right that's right saw there, there's a, a a tiktok of a woman who collects who has collected like 200 of them and oh she God. had in the different you know the, the different well, you see, that's a weird colors. thing isn't it it's supposed to be a sort of in some ways, like environmentally friendly, instead of like throwing away your cup and a you know, you you a reusable cup, so it must defeat the object of the exercise if you buy every single iteration of it. How environmentally friendly is that? Exactly. Yes. It's the new beanie well, baby. It's the and people. Yes, I mean I've asked a couple of people, and uh, Adam Buxton, his <clears throat> daughter, clutches hers in her car like a holds it like a security blanket or a comfort animal or something it's like it's the weirdest thing because what the 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 genius guy came in and said uh oh we should market these to women and change the colors from these boring colors and do pastels and pinks and that's what finally triggered the two the the, apparently there's been two kind of um meltdown scenes at target one was for the 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 Cosmo Pink and Target Red Stanley Cup, which is part of their Galentine's collection. I didn't even know what Galentine's Day was, but you know, it's it's uh, uh, on Valentine's Day for women to celebrate their relationships with women without oh, being sapphic or, or I thought it was like a gallon of water. No, Galentine's Day is a big. So there's that cup, and then there's also the other cup, which is the one in Cosmo Pink. Well, I think that we should all celebrate Palenshine's Day, where it's because we're all such good pals. Mm, or paleontologists. <laughs> um, I was just like, yeah. Stanley Cups. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> <It's useless. laughs> 
All right. Number two. Number two. France has a new prime minister, Gabriel Attell, who is 34 years old. He is young. He is handsome as all get out. He is such a cute little post twink. uh, And he is openly gay. I guess we are not allowed to use the word openly gay anymore. People are just gay or they are not. But uh, he is the first gay prime minister of France. He is the first. uh, He is so young and so cute. He's been posting all sorts of thirst trap pictures of himself uh, shirtless at the beach. He's very handsome. He is Uh, young and cute. But let's go back to why can't we say openly gay? Yeah. Because um, you were either gay or you're not openly. I get that, but like. You always got mad when people like Anderson Cooper didn't come out. Well, so yeah. there is a thing as being openly gay and just being gay. So. I don't know. So there's some star I can't remember who it was. His maybe it was like a Matt Bomer or someone has come out. No, who's the other one from Fellow Travelers? Oh, Jonathan oh, Bailey. Yeah, Jonathan Bailey said that people should that so you're either gay or you're not. The openly is redundant, okay. but whatever, whatever. The, the, my point is is that um, uh, representation still matters, and to have a powerful twink in in a position, <laughs> to have a, a twink in a position of power who is not Troy Sivan is something that people can look up to and people can can do. I have heard that he is. His politics are a little hinky. Maybe that he's he's a little. I, I I don't know. I haven't quite checked it out yet. But um, I like Macron. I like him. Uh, so that's just um, there you go. That's yeah. And yeah. someday we might have President Buttigieg, and then we would have a. Uh, he might end up being you know president of France. So that would be nice. That would be like very nice to them both. Yeah, right? rule the world. There can be a special relationship between France and the US. Well, guys, can I invite a special guest to come join us for number one? You can, but we have to take one more break before we do that. So stay tuned for the big reveal coming up right after the break here on the Wow Report. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello and welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with James and Blake. We've been counting down the top 10 things of the week that made us go wow. We've reached that auspicious milestone moment where I try to mess up James' lip syncing along to the words I say week after week after week. I am very excited to reveal our number one this week is... Number one. The host and superstar of the... I feel love Connie podcast. Love Connie, of course. Hi. Hi. I'm number one. I didn't know we were doing a countdown. I thought I was auditioning for the new Saw movie. (laughs) (laughs) I must say you look absolutely stunning, Connie. This is the best you've ever looked. Let me do my Muriel's wedding impersonation where I show my (laughs) t-shirt. The Jade Pussycat. Stop progress. So tell everyone about our podcast. The last episode airs this Monday on the Wow Podcast Network. It's I Feel Love Connie, where we have fun every week. It's just us chatting and we have sound effects that are dumb. 
I do like that it's like a radio show, you know, like from, again, because we are trying to kind of mix Generation X with, you know, Gen Zs and Millennials. And I, um, I love, I just crack up because you do all the sound effects. And I normally, I, you know, like drag queens, you know, it's unsuccess- less successful drag queens. You know the drag. Oh, please stop that. You know girl. we're the Legend. most, contro- but we're the most controlling ones over <laughs> the shit we do. You know what I mean? Um, well, I sort of feel like we, I, Fenton, you and I need to up our game a little bit, and we need to start adding like barnyard sounds and sound yeah. effects and everything. Too like late. That. Oh, I know. Late. Like, <laughs> why has Blake been deprived hogging all the sound effects? And well, and, and might I just say? Connie, that I have loved having Blake. Uh, that you take away Blake from from uh, working with me. I think it's just wonderful. That I know I, she's uh, she's extra as fuck. <laughs> See, I'm learning all the new lingo. Well, and you aren't a late, less successful drag queen. You are just on the premiere episode, the two part premiere episode of RuPaul's Drag Race season sixteen. That was freaking hilarious. Everybody loved it. It was viral. What was your experience? How was it for you? Was it viral? It was. It, very viral, yes. It's resistant to antibacterial. Antibiotic. I got an infection from it. Yeah. <laughs> from big, but <laughs> antibacterial from big lots. <laughs> Not what kind like of feedback have you gotten? Have, have you just blown up this, this past week? Did I just what? Blow up. Did you just blow did, up? Yeah. Oh, well, I got tens and tens more followers on Instagram. <laughs> no, but you know what I was going to say, like in retrospect, looking back over, you know, I guess the four or times that I've been on there. What is fun for me is that I get to bring a different character, you know, to to each round. And I really loved that the nosy neighbor like that's just <laughs> i mean what a comic actor gay straight young, who doesn't want to play that person that is in everybody's business You're and, the gladys um, kravitz you were the gladys kravitz I, I drag. but i was also thinking a lot about uh prudence pingleton penny's mom <laughs> from hairspray who i'm sure her, oh, yeah. yeah well she was just hysterical at everything and i'm like oh yeah let's channel all those well, and mrs roper with, I the, with, with the horny always mrs. mrs roper always, always, always underneath always. the surface i thought you were really good with the uh dmv even though it was only a snippet it really reminded me of women that i knew that worked at the dmv in arkansas hey and y'all, I swear, I think I asked somebody if my feet were going to show. And then y'all got me out there in my little, did you see my little black kibbles that were on my feet? My little character shoes. I would have put a damn high heel on if I would have known that. <laughs> no. All up next to T.S. Madison. <laughs> you know, y'all put them titties on me the most uncomfortable day <laughs> of my life. Like I said, and I've had a hemorrhoidectomy. You know, it was just like titties because I have a stomach. I was just literally all day. I was like, I don't know what to do with my hands. And then there were those nails. It's just like I'm the worst drag queen because it's just like that stuff is so foreign to me. Well, we love you. But, you know, but also like thinking about like Michelle Visage at the Emmys, 
you know, everyone was making, and everything was about titties on those debut episodes. And then I'm looking at Michelle and I'm going, look how beautiful and sexy. Like I'm, I'm just into that, you know, itty bitty titty committee, I guess. As opposed to the Jimbo look. Oh my God. It's just like flotation devices. It's like, I don't know what to hang on to. (laughs) Well, so now are you working on season two of the podcast? Well, it sounds like a pickup kind of call, doesn't it, really? It's, it feels like we should be getting on with it. I hope. You know, listen, what's fun about me and Blake is <clears throat> I think it's a locale thing that we're from the same neck of the woods. So whereas a lot of people go, oh, what are your topics? Or they go, oh, who are your special guests? And I kind of just, I kind of sheepishly go, um, it's just me and this other country queer from Arkansas. <laughs> you know, like, but you don't understand. We don't need topics. We don't need topics. Because anytime Blake and I have ever gotten together, you know, usually at WOW events or whatever, we are immediately throwing barbs at each other. You know, it's just that kind of, you know, good well, I mean, southern you know, spirit. Talk to Trixie and Katya about not having any agenda or having any topics or having any idea of what to do. It seems to work for them. So, mm-hmm. well, not every podcast has guests. I mean, usually we don't have guests on this podcast. But so. Blake, you are always asking us what our topics are, which I guess isn't out of line because it is a top ten countdown. So, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a little necessary. Well, we would mm. pick a topic and then we'd be 30 minutes in and we'd be like, we didn't even talk about what we were talking. And we're always talking about Chipotle and, you know, and again, far, it's so. Well, Cause that's where we met. At a it is where we met. But um, yeah, I do. I love that kind of like Beavis and Butthead kind of the Miss Piggy sound effects and the, it's a Versace, like stuff like that. I would just be rolling out. So I just think it's hilarious, you know. Well, bring it on season two. I have been getting a lot of requests um, that it's about time y'all made me a regular. Okay. On that show. I'm not going to say what show, but. Oh, I thought that show. Yeah. That that Emmy award-winning show, you mean? Can y'all please start a sh- plastic surgery show again? Um, because I also need some free plastic surgery. I'll oh be my god! Look there. at what they've done to, and that's what we'll call the show. Look at what they've done to love Connie. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see the sequel to Rosemary's Baby? Look what's happened to Rosemary's Baby, aka, no. AKA Son of Rosemary. <laughs> it has Is there really such a thing? And Patty, yes, it was a TV movie, and Patty Duke played Rosemary. Oh, that's hysterical. Hysterical. Well, uh, (laughs) yeah, get us back on track, Blake. (laughs) Yeah, Um, exactly. (laughs) That's what I'm always here to do. Um, Well, the last episode of I Feel Love Connie comes out on Monday on the Wild Podcast Network. You can listen wherever you podcast. Now the entire season is out, and love you, Connie. Love you to bits. Why don't you why don't you send us off? Why don't you close out the show? Y'all, since I have met the four of you, my life has been like a vacation in a studio apartment, rent controlled in Hollywood, California. <laughs> Isn't that just top <laughs> ten? Number one with a bullet. Same time, same place next week. Until then. Go out and do something that makes the world go. Wow. Wow. Wow.